16. Now remember we started this series out looking at a guy by the name of Naaman in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. And Naaman, again, was a guy who, by all accounts, had it going on, right? He was a military leader. Naaman uh, was, was the second, uh, he, he, was, he was the right-hand man for his king, but he had leprosy. Uh, and a young lady who, who understood and knew, had a covenant with God, told her about a prophet named Elisha. And Naaman went to Elisha, but Elisha had him do something that Naaman, because of his pride, didn't think was necessary. Naaman, because of his prideful attitude and his approach to, to, to God's man, thought it was foolish for him to be asked to go dip seven times in the Jordan River in order to receive his healing. But I'm going to tell you all something. If you're going to step out in faith, there's going to be some things, and we're going to look at some things here, uh, 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 in, in hopefully today, if not today, next Sunday, <laughs> that, that'll talk about people of God who understood how to trust God and learn how to walk by faith, even when it seemed foolish to them. Because faith does not make sense. I need y'all to repeat that. I'm going to say faith does not make sense. It doesn't. Next week, I'm going to show you a video of one of our members who got a word about starting a business and something she had no clue about. She never even thought about it. But God dropped that word in her spirit, and you'll hear the story on next week. I'm looking at a young lady right here sitting on this front row who had to wait three, four years. How many years was it, baby? Three years to get into veterinary school. Some of y'all couldn't have waited three minutes <laughs> or three months. But she never turned to loose her faith. She knew and she understood what the Lord had bl- dropped in her spirit that you're going to be a veterinarian. And I'm here to tell you, this young lady who I'm looking at right now, one of our very, in May, will graduate from LSU School of Veterinary. Don't you tell me what God cannot do. Oh! Everybody say, stepping out in faith. See, the problem that some of us have is, 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 that, is that we're trying to relate to God on our own terms. And God says, I, I got news for you. I created you and I designed you, I saved you to walk by faith and not by sight. And, and God says, without faith, you can't please me. All right, can I get into the text? All right, so we, we saw Naaman, and Naaman ultimately, ultimately at the time he came to the man of God, he didn't have, Naaman did not have a covenant with God, but after receiving his healing because he decided, amen, no matter how foolish it was, as a matter of fact, let me back up, he had some of his compadres, some people who he was over, said, man, why don't you go and do what the man said? Just go do what he told you to do. Stop all this foolishness, and he listened to those who were around him. Amen. It's good to have people in your life who will tell you the truth about yourself. Can I get a good witness up in there? So Naaman came forth after doing what the man of God told him. It didn't make sense, but he did what God's man told him to do. And he came forth with the healing. So again, I, I, we left, here's where we left off because I, I got to spend some time unpacking this to get us, some, get us to the point where we can understand what God is trying to do in and through our lives, guys. Are y'all still with me today? Ephesians chapter number three. Let's start our reading, if you will. 
uh, at verse number 14. Uh, and it says, when I think of all this, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, right? I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Let's keep reading. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. He says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Now stop that, Brother Jay. If you will put that in the KJV, I love the way the KJV reads. I tell you, all of my scripture memorization by and large came from the King James Version. And I love the way the KJV reads on this particular verse. We're going to move down from there, okay? Watch this. I need y'all to listen to me. Watch this. He says that he will grant you the riches of his glory to be what? To be what? To be what? Strengthened with might by his spirit in the what? Inner man. I told you on last Sunday that man is a triune being. We're first and foremost spirit. We possess a soul and we live in a body. Right? The real you, the you that's born again is not your flesh, your body. It's not your soul realm, but it's your spirit. The Bible says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is where God abides and where he connects with us. Are y'all tracking with me? Look on your, look on your outline right quick. Can, can, we, can we all look at that right quick? We said the triangle nature of man is designed for the following purpose. First of all, man's spirit. Man's spirit is designed to relate to God. It's the spirit world. Here's where, by and large, most Christians are ignorant. The word ignorant, I didn't call you a dirty word. The word ignorant means just to not know, to not have knowledge of certain things, right? How many of y'all know that there's a lot of things in life that we don't have knowledge of, right? Amen? Those of y'all in the medical field, y'all have knowledge of of the human body and, and, and what certain things do that I, who, who am not in the medical field, don't necessarily have the knowledge of. How many of y'all have ever tried to be your own internet doctor? All you folks out there Googling stuff, don't even check the source from which you're reading from, and you come back and you putting stuff in your body, doing stuff, and you think that you have got it figured out. Let me tell you, it takes some level of expertise and years of study to understand this complex unit called the human body. So stop being your own internet doctor and go to somebody who's been properly trained. But I don't, there's some things that you in the medical field know about the body that I don't know. Right? How many of y'all are mechanics out there? In the mechanics? Y'all just drive the car, right? <laughs> See, a mechanic, an auto technician knows more about how that vehicle should operate than those of us who don't have that training in that arena, right? So there's a lot of things in life, guys that we are ignorant of. We just don't have knowledge of. But one thing I'm going to submit to you that I hope that every one of us learn as we finish this series is how to connect with God in the spirit realm. Because they that worship him must worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. And if we don't learn how to connect with God in our spirit, man, we won't be able to, to walk by faith and please. So it's talking about stepping out of faith. So man's spirit to relate to God. Man's soul is to relate to the mental and emotional realm, our intelligence, the, the, the mental and emotional realm. All of us are, uh, are emotional beings. We have emotions, right? So learning how, how, how to relate in that arena. And lastly, man's body is trying to relate to the physical environment. 
God, listen, I told you on last week, God did not intend for the body to relate to the spiritual or the supernatural world. Therefore, it's of the utmost importance that we don't judge our potential or ability to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think based on the abilities and the limitations of our physical body. See, our five senses, hear me carefully, our five senses are specifically designed to pick up our natural environment. Everybody say natural environment. Our power to see, to touch, to hear, to smell, to taste are all related to the natural physical world. Would y'all agree with me on that? The potential of our bodies is therefore governed by its physical capabilities. But here's what we have to understand. God never intended for man to be controlled or limited by his physical body. You were not created, hear me carefully, to be intimidated by your environment. I need y'all to go with me, right? Okay. Man's, let's go back to the garden in, in Genesis. Man's original state in the Garden of Eden before the fall was one of perfect union and fellowship with God. All you Bible readers, would y'all agree with me? Amen. It was perfect union and fellowship with God. He was designed to live, hear this, man was designed to live from the inside out. Everybody say inside out. From his spirit to his body. God designed man to be led by his spirit, not driven by his environment. Are oh, y'all listening to me today? Man was intended to live through spiritual discernment, not physical senses. Hear me carefully. But when Adam, the first man, disobeyed God, he destroyed his fellowship and communion with the spirit of God. You can check me out in Genesis, the third chapter. Most of y'all who've been in church for any prolonged period of time have read the story. But I want you to go back and, and, and dig even deeper when you get home. The consequence of that of that of, of Adam's detachment from God was death. Death is isolation from the spirit world. Everybody say death yeah. is isolation from the spirit world of God. And so through disobedience, man's spirit lost contact with the source of heaven. And as a result, man became a victim of his soul. What is his soul? His mind, his will, his emotions, his intellect. He became a victim of his soul and his body. Are y'all with me today? Most Christians, if you were to ask them, they walk and they live by what they see and what they hear and what they feel and what they can rationalize in their own mind. Yet God says, I never, if you are a born again believer, God says, I want to take you back to my original design. I want you to learn how to walk not by the physical environment and the things that you see, but I want you to learn how to walk by faith. Let's go to, go to Hebrews the 11th chapter with me, verse number one. Hebrews 11, verse number one. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hebrews 11, verse number one. So man's life became governed by his external environment as five, the five senses control his existence. Man started living and interpreting his existence according to the information he gained through his, the senses of his body instead of the revelation received through his spirit from the spirit of God. Man's fall, guys, 
placed his body in a position it had not been designed to occupy. This change has caused man to limit his potential ability to the capabilities of his senses and his physical body. Unless, if I say unless, you are limited to your five senses, you're limited to the capability of your physical body unless you learn how to walk by faith. And that's what we saw Naaman, and that's what we're going to see uh, even uh, in the New Testament, individuals who, who, who took God at his word and began to move and to operate. Look at what the text says in Hebrews 11, verse number one. Y'all, there, y'all have heard this time and time again, but I want you to pay attention to it. Watch the text. It says what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are what? Now check this out. The Bible says the just shall do what? Live by what? Faith. The just shall do what? Live by faith. In other words, we should operate. Our lives should be embodied of a person who's walking by what he can't see. All right, now think about that for a second. Because it says here, now faith is the substance. It provides the title deed for things hoped for. If you are hoping for it, that signifies that it's a future event. Now faith is the substance, it's the title deed for things hoped for, things that you can't see right now, but you're believing for. Faith gives you the title deed. Every last, how many of y'all own your own house? All right, some of y'all say, well, uh, the bank owns it. No, you actually own it. I know you have a mortgage on it. And Yvonne, you correct me if I'm wrong, but when it comes to ownership, that's why a mortgage company, if you don't pay your notes, have to repossess it and do a sheriff sale to get it back into their name so they can sell it to somebody else. That ain't too deep for y'all, is it? All right. So, so in other words, they can't just come and take it because it's yours at the courthouse. The title deed says 5205 Megan K belongs to Dahl R. Adams Sr. and Moraria and Nikitris Kirk Adams. Amen. Did we put your whole name on there, baby? <laughs> but the title deed says that residence belongs to us. Now, the text says here, now, faith is the, quote, title deed of things hoped for. It is the evidence of the thing that I can't see. Kanisha, it was the evidence that you were going to get into vet school when you couldn't see it in year two. Oh, y'all listen to me today. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are nothing. Verse two, just for good measure. And I won't go through all this. For by it, what is it? Faith, the elders obtain what? A good report. And he goes on, watch this, listen to this real quick. He says this, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Watch the text, let's keep going. He says this, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaking. He goes on, and I won't, I won't list all these, but he goes in and begins to, to list 
people who made a profession of faith and acted and stepped out on God's word when they couldn't see it. I told you on last week, if you can see it, it ain't faith. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. If you can see it, it's not faith. Now, faith is the substance of things. Faith provides substance. It, it provides validity to the things that you're hoping for. It is your evidence of things that you cannot see. Has God ever given you a word about something in your life or a direction he wants you to go in, but you couldn't see how, how, how there's no way possible I could do that? And what most Christians do, after thinking about it for a little while, they start trying to figure out how I can do it, and they never take the first step of faith. Here's what I'm going to tell you something. If you ever want to walk in faith with God, God will not show you everything up front. Not, he can, but my experience has been he wants you to take the first step first. Because what are you trying to do? He's trying to get you to learn how to trust him and not your own planning. Now, we should plan. We should do our due diligence. But I need to tell you, planning and doing due diligence is not a substitute for trusting God to work it out in your favor. And we got to get there, y'all. So, so uh, unless you and I, as Christians, learn how to walk by faith, we're going to be limited in our ability to accomplish things in life based off of our physical body and our sensory realm. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, 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 so we are blessed. Go back to Ephesians, the third chapter. We are blessed and highly favored. We are above and not beneath. We are kings in this life, but oftentimes we don't know how to properly rule our own lives, let alone give anyone else with their help with their life. We haven't learned how to walk by faith. Because I just told you, if you can see everything, if all of your decisions are based off of what you can rationalize, you can see, you're not really walking by faith. And God just says, the just, those who've been justified, shall live by faith, shall have a lifestyle of moving when God says do a thing. Being able to discern the voice of God is very critically important because I don't want to be moving in the direction that God didn't tell me to go in. But if I am confident that God said do a thing, even though I don't see how it's going to happen, I need to take the first investigative step. That means I'm moving on the first thing that I know. All I can do is move on what I know. Right? And watch God open the door of opportunity for us. Now get back with me. Let's look, look down with me, Ephesians. Um, chapter 3 again. Hallelujah. Are y'all still tracking? Ephesians chapter number 3. And we're going to begin our reading again at verse number um, verse number 14. Again. Verse 15. Verse 15. Y'all there? Let's read. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Y'all not reading. (laughs) Verse 16. That he will grant you according to the riches of what? In the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Come, come, Come with me just for a second, okay? The text says 
to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, in the inner man, in the spirit man. Watch this. To be, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The Greek word for might is dunamis. Can y'all say, say dunamis? Say it again. Say it one more time for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> dunamis. This means inherent power. Everybody say inherent power. And it is a reference to our faith. Our faith is the power by which we rule. By using the faith God has given us, we become stabilized in life. Circumstances no longer dictate to us, we can dictate to them. Dunamis. The Bible says God has dealt to every man, every born again man, the measure of faith. The, not a measure, the measure of faith. Such that if we'll develop and cultivate that we receive when we got born again, all of us can walk by faith and not by sight. All of us can be, begin to develop a faith walk that'll please God. Look back at verse number 17 with me one more time. Verse 17, that's popular. It says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. So it's one thing, guys, for the Lord to live in your heart, but it's another thing, everybody says another thing. It's another thing for him to feel at home there. It's one thing for God to live in your heart, it's another thing for him to feel at home there. How many of y'all ever went over to somebody's house or somebody came to your house? Let's say you went over to somebody's house and you, maybe you spent the night with them. But you really didn't feel like you were welcome there. Any of y'all that went to your in-laws? The in-laws welcomed their child there, but you just long for the ride. And they didn't really make you feel at home. Anybody in the house? Oh, you ain't got to raise it. I don't, I don't want to cause any arguments right now. All right. But to feel at home means that you feel welcome. I, I got one of the greatest testimonies about you all. Uh, just the other day, I went to a place of vision, and it's this person that came to our church for a, a service, maybe a funeral service or something, and she gave the highest compliment. She says, Pastor, I want to tell you that your hospitality ministry was so welcoming. They were off the chain. They made us feel so welcome. They, they took care of our every need. They got us food. They did this. They did that. And she was just glowing about the hospitality ministry. Let me tell you something. First impressions are very important. And how you treat people when they come on these grounds is very important. And it starts with those dudes in the parking lot. The dudes in the parking lot. Come on. Our parking lot ministry. We got some dudes out there. Some God-honoring men. But she was, she was just, I mean, she, I'm seriously, she was just raving about how friendly and how accommodating and welcoming our hospitality team was. So hospitality team, give yourself a hand. Come on. I, man, it, it, and, 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 and Carol, I'm up there like, <laughs> yeah, that's our hospitality team. Yeah, Because right. you know what? I do take credit when y'all do good, don't you? Y'all know that. And when you don't do so good, I, I take the blame, too. I mean, because it really, it, it's, if, if you, hey, listen, uh, 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 Mike McCarthy can't, can't 
put it all on his players because ultimately if the Cowboys don't win, Bobby, some, at some point in time, he's got to go. I love messing with Bobby on the Cowboys. But again, with leadership becomes responsibility. You also, when they, when, oh Lord Jesus, I, I, y'all forgive me for, 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 um, for highlighting Nick Saban too much, Yvonne. I, you got to forgive me, Yvonne, okay? All right, I know you're <laughs> him. But I, listen, I don't really like Alabama. My son does. Junior loves Alabama, but I don't like Alabama. I don't know why I don't like I, I guess they're just too good for too long. <laughs> you ever notice that if somebody's too good for too long, the first year when they're good, you're like, oh, wait, great, awesome. Second year, oh, that's great, that's awesome. But they don't want five in a row, you're like, now look here. You start looking for stuff to, to get mad at them about because they went in too much, all right? But what I can appreciate about Alabama, Katie, is when I watch them in those first two games of the year or the first three games, they look dysfunctional as all get out. They didn't know how, they really didn't have an identity. They were trying to test out who's going to be the quarterback. Miro started one week and then the next week, uh, I mean, after, after the Texas loss, some other two guys uh, started against South Florida and South Florida shouldn't even be able to stay on the same field with them, but they were close to beating them. So they went back to Miro, and here's what he did. I, here's what I appreciate about Saban. He recognized that this quarterback has a different skill set than Tua Tagovailoa, than Matt Jones, and Bryce Young. Those dudes could rip it. They could throw it. But this guy had a different skill set that they had to build the offense around his skill set. They say something right now, I don't like it, but they're cooking with grease now. They are cooking with grease because he was willing to make the adjustments to fit the personnel. And not say, we've always done it this way. We're going to always do it this way and keep losing. I can appreciate that. I don't like him, but I can appreciate it. I can respect him. Everybody say, you can respect people. You may, not, you may have a little jealousy in you. Maybe it's because of jealousy, amen? I don't know what it is, but, but I can appreciate how he's done that. And guys, let me tell you something. God wants to do that with us. God wants to, God actually wants to place us in the place where we are gifted rather than having us keep operating in a place that we're not gifted. Are y'all with me today? So, so uh, it says, so we don't want circumstance to dictate to us. We want to be able to dictate to our circumstances. We want God to feel at home in our, in our hearts. When we begin to rule in life through faith he, that he has placed in us, then Christ feels at home in us. However, the verse tells us in verse 17, tells us not only that we need to operate in faith and be strengthened with might, but also we need for our lives to be rooted and grounded in God's love. Love is the foundation of our lives because faith is useless without love. Go to Galatians, the fifth chapter. We'll be right quick. Galatians 5. And let's look at verse number 6 from the KJV. Galatians 5, verse number 6. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? It says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Let me give some context to what he's saying right here. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church, the saints in Galatia. And there was, there was, there was, there were some who Paul said in Galatians 3, I believe verse 1 says, Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you 
to the point to where now you, 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 you accepted Christ by faith, but now you're trying to live your life by law. In other words, you were justified by faith, but now all of a sudden you're trying to keep all these, these, these traditions of Judaism, of the Mosaic law, to obtain righteousness when you were justified by faith. Who, who, who got inside your head? Who began to mess you up to the point to where you thought that circumcision, amen, meant that you were righteous? Because what would happen is a male, Jewish male, uh, would be the, the foreskin of his, of, his, of his male part. Can we say it? We, let's use the biological term, his penis. And I always say this, when you're talking to your children, don't, don't talk to them in, in biological terms when they're young. Don't, don't call it a wee-wee. Don't call it a... Real look at me like, no, stop all this stuff we come up with. That baby is so confused because he don't, you know, I heard a guy say this is so true, but don't, don't call these little playful names because if there's somebody who's, who's, who's meaning him harm, they can play off of that and make it seem like it's a little playful thing, a little ding-a-ling. No, 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 that's his penis. And teach him what it's designed for. Don't wait till they 18 or 14. I'm going to tell y'all something. Some of y'all parents are confused. You don't know that what your child already knows. We're in the information age, and there is stuff that your children know you don't even think they know. Because the internet has exposed them to a lot of different things, and they ain't going to tell you that they saw it. Because somewhere inside they know that they shouldn't be looking at it. But I, and I, listen, if you got a young, young guy, in your, a, a young boy in your home, I, I, I can almost bet that he's looked at pornography. Now, he ain't going to tell you that he'll swear, he'll swear before God that he's never saw that before. But surveys tell us that the average male is introduced to pornography as young as eight years of age. So teach them the proper way to relate to their bodies. Teach them the biological things that they need to know about their bodies. And don't let them learn it in the locker room at school. That's all I'm saying. Are y'all with me today? But I got to keep moving. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision was the cutting away of the male, male foreskin availed anything. So they, they thought that because they had a covenant with God under Judaism, that, that those things moved over into the New Testament. But once Jesus came, it was not a circumcision physically, but it was a circumcision of the heart. Our heart had to be right before God. Are y'all with me? So it says, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh, what? Love is the foundation. What nullifies faith is a lack of love in a lot of cases. You can't walk by faith when you're operating in an unloving way. Faith worketh by what? Love. Go to Philippians, the second chapter, right quick. Verse number 12 through 13. I got to keep moving. So look on your outline as we go to Philippians 2. Let's look at verses. I think this is where I want. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Let's go 
to the uh, NLT on this one, Jay. Jay or Tenerica, whoever's working. We got, we got some, some backup. Are you still with me? Let's go to the NLT on this one. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. I believe in letting the Bible speak, okay? Because here's what we believe here at this church. Now, if, if you don't, I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to preach what Scripture teaches us. I'm not going to let the culture dictate and determine what we learn. I want the unadulterated Word of God to decide our direction for ministry, okay? I will tell you that there are going to be many times where Scripture is going to be at odds with culture. So now you got to decide what you're going to stand on. I mean, I love everybody, but I don't let everybody's way of thinking dictate and determine how we're going to do ministry. And, and here's the thing, and, and teach this to your children. Just because I don't agree with you don't mean I don't love you. And because I don't agree with something that you, doesn't mean that we have to be disagreeable. If our, if our representatives in Congress would learn that we can get a whole lot more done. Would y'all agree with me? Instead of going in your corner, if I don't get my way, ain't nothing going to happen. You little brat, learn how to lead. Lead. Leaders lead. Amen. Leaders don't just sit and fight all the time. Let's do what's best for the populace as a whole. Amen. Watch this text. Come on, let's read together. Ready? Read. I got to go. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Who, who's talking here? Paul, right? He says, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Next verse, let's go. He says this, for God is working where? In you, giving you the desire and the what? Wait, wait, wait. He gives you the dunamis. He gives you the power to do what pleases him. So for anybody, any Christian who reads the Bible, who reads the commands and says, I can't do that. That's impossible for me to do. What you just said is that God is not giving you the power to please him. When this says God is working in you, giving you the desire, giving you the what? Well, maybe if you don't have the desire to do it, maybe God ain't working in you. Is that what that says? For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, the KJV says, work out your soul's salvation. It, don't, it didn't say work for it, but it says work it out. What, what, what does he mean by that? He means that we're three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. My spirit, man, is what, reborn, right? But you, don't, you who are on the outside don't know what took place on the inside unless what's on the inside. I told you we're inside out beings, right? We should, we should live from the inside out, not the outside in. So you who are on the outside don't know what took place on the inside if what's on the inside don't ever come to the outside. That's a little too deep for some of y'all. Watch this. People need to see you walking with the Lord. Well, Pastor, I thought we, we, we're not saved by works. We're not. But the Bible says... It, tell, it tells us uh, that, 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 that we should be involved in good works. Amen. He says, he said, you know, do your good works before men so they may glorify the God Father in heaven and not glorify us. 
So when people see us doing the works of God, it should cause them to glorify God and not glorify us. Are y'all with me today? If all the attention is coming on us, we're not going to be, we'll get a little big headed, if if y'all will. Now let's get get to the outline. Watch this. We said this, uh, I said, um, so with man, spirit, soul, and body, what keeps people from stepping out in faith? What keeps people from stepping out in faith? Number one, we saw in Naaman's case, it was pride. Everybody say pride. I would add to this, you know, a lack of love will stop you because faith, if faith working by love and I'm not a loving person, then I'm not going to be walking in faith. The love of Christ on the inside of us. So pride. Naaman is a perfect example for us because he shows us that it's pride that stands between us and what God wants for us. Let me get I'm going to run through some scriptures right quick. And y'all, y'all go with me. I just want you to see what the Bible says about pride. The sin of pride can be a very detrimental thing because many times we don't even know we're operating in it. All right? Are y'all with me today? Let's go to Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and let's look at verse number five. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number five. Glory to God. Proverbs 16, verse number five. Can we read together? I, I want us to, here's why I want you to read together because the Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. There's something about audibly hearing the words come out of your mouth. Don't you think that God was setting an example for us? God could have very easily just thought it and the world came into existence. You ever, you, have you ever pondered that? He's God. All they had to do was think about it. The Bible says God said, let there be light. God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. God said, Jesus told us in the gospels, say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast. He didn't say just mumble or, 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 or meditate or think about it. He said, say it. Words are like spiritual containers. And words have the ability to produce faith in the life of a person who you're in connection with. So learn how to speak, amen, faith-filled words into the life of people. Quit telling people what they can't do and start saying what you can do through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. So that's why I want to say it. You have to hear yourself confessing. What is confessing? If you ever go into a court of law, how many of y'all have been on the witness stand before? Anybody? Okay. I have not technically been on the witness stand, but I have been, been interviewed as a potential juror. Okay. And whenever they ask you questions, even as a potential juror, they want you to audibly say something. You can't just do this here. No, you got to say yes or no. Am I right about it? Oh, y'all, how many of y'all watch Law and Order? Y'all know about this, right? How many of y'all watch Perry Mason, old, old schoolers? All right. When you're on that witness stand, you have to say something so it can be recorded in the record. Because this could, for you, that could mean yes. This could mean no, because maybe you were confused as a baby and they got it mixed up. (laughs) So they want to hear you say yes. I saw KD. At the graduation on yesterday when his son graduated from the 
Louisiana Tech University with a degree in computer science engineering. Hey, we got some bright kids up in here. And they graduated from other places too. They got ULM down the road. They got Grambling. They got Southern. Come on, we got a lot. Of, they got LSU. But I mean, yo, it's just something about, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just hit a little different, okay? All right, watch this. So, so it's, it's important for us to speak the word as a part of our faith. It's something about hearing you say it. When I articulate it out of my mouth, I can think about what I'm going to do all day long. But when I say it out of my mouth, it activates another level of belief in God. And now it also puts it out there so that you who heard me can stand in agreement with me. If I never tell you what I'm believing God for, then how can you stand in prayer with me for that thing? One will put a flight, two will put 10,000 flight. I need y'all praying for me. All right, watch this. So, the, the, so, so watch this. Now what will stop that is pride. Naaman had pride. He said, the river's back in my hometown are much better and cleaner than the Jordan River. Why should I go dip in the Jordan River? And why I got to do it seven times? Dummy, just do what the man of God told you to do. It may not make sense, but it works. The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be what? Proud. Look at verse 18 and 19 of that same, that same chapter. Verse 18 and 19 of that very same chapter. Pride, what? Goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Prideful folks, watch out. Look at the next verse. Just for good measure, better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Did y'all hear that? Go to 13 and 10, Proverbs 13, verse number 10. I need y'all to hear this because pride will cause you, pride will do this, pride will will keep you from extending forgiveness to somebody who you're in a relationship with. Because you think, well, I wasn't the one wrong. I ain't moving. We ain't about who was right. It's about you being righteous. I've forgiven folks who I know I didn't do anything to. Let me ask y'all a question. How many of y'all have had something taken the wrong way and it was not your intention and the person got offended with you? Can I see your hand out there? All right. Now, when that happens, how do you respond? Do you sit there and argue with them? Well, that ain't what I meant. I mean, in other words, at some point in time, sometimes I had somebody one time approach me about something. I had, literally, I had no clue what they were talking about. I mean, literally, I, I, I did not remember it. But you know what I said? I said, you know what? I can sit here and argue that I didn't do it. But here's what I said. Listen, sorry. I, I really truly didn't mean to do that. I apologize. Will you forgive me? And he forgave me. And the thing is right. I didn't, I really, I, it, the, the, I don't know because I'm a 60 or what, but I had no recollection of what he was even talking about. But what I said was, I can sit here and argue with him and try to be right, or I just ask him to forgive me because I did, truly didn't mean to do what 
what, what, what was said that I've done, okay? So sometimes, you, gotta, you know, don't, don't be so prideful that you, you're going to just hold your position and you're going to stay there until the rapture come. <laughs> come on, life is too short. Hey, life is too short. And, and if I hadn't learned anything else in 2023, Maria and I have known this, that listen, life is full of change. Life is full of uh, uh, twists and turns. There's ups and downs. There's heartache and there's pain. But we stand with God. <laughs> we're, we're, stand, we're stand with God. We're going to keep moving with God and we're not going to allow anything to get in our way. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. Proverbs 30, is it pride leads to conflict. But those who take advice are what? Pride leads to what? If you are always in conflict with people, now, now listen, hear me carefully. I know that there are some difficult people in this world. And maybe you are one of them. <laughs> and you just don't know it. Because sometimes people don't know that the problem is them. Every job they go to, the people aren't right. So that's why they keep changing jobs. And they still haven't figured out they're the common denominator on every job. <laughs> you might all look in the mirror and figure out the problem is you. And not everybody else. How you view life, how you get along with people. I mean, as a Christian, as a believer, you should be the one on the job that people come to and not run from. Am I helping anybody in there? Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Proverbs 11 and 2. Let's look at that right quick. Proverbs 11 and verse number 2. Thank you, Jesus. Pride leads to grace. But with humility comes what? Wisdom. Let's go to the 8th chapter. I'm just, just, I'm just letting the word speak. Proverbs, the 8th chapter. And look at verses 12 through 13. Proverbs 8, verses 12 through 13. I, wisdom, live together with what? Good, this man, but you got wisdom, you, you, you have good judgment. If you don't have good judgment, check your wisdom meter. If you keep making bad choices and bad decisions... Over, over, financially speaking, if you keep making bad financial choices uh, over and over again, check your wisdom meter. How does your wisdom meter get, get, get built up? It's getting to the word of God. If you just start studying Proverbs, you'll have more wisdom if you do what everything it says. You wouldn't be hurt that you co-signed for your sister and she didn't pay the bill. And now you panic trying to connect, protect your credit because had you used wisdom, wisdom would have told you in Proverbs, don't co-sign. <laughs> but pastor, no, wisdom said don't co-sign, but you did it. Had you walked in wisdom, you never would have co-signed. I was in banking for 70 years, and the reason why they asked you to co-sign, they don't believe you're going to pay it. We want to co-sign because we don't quite think he's going to pay it. But that's my brother. That's my son. I don't care. History says they ain't going to pay it. Because you didn't realize that how people handle money is a window into their character. I know you don't like to hear that, but it's a window into their character. If they gave you $10 too much change, and when you got to your car, would you go back in and give it to them? Some of y'all wouldn't. If they gave you $100 too much change, or $200 too much change, 
the $100 bills were stuck together and you found out they gave you too much change, would you go back in and give it to them? Come on, let's think about this. Come on, come on look, 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 at me, look at me, look at me. And then you go to, deep into the bowels of your, of your pervasive way of thinking now. And what you go back in, it's rainy. <laughs> would you take that two, those two $200 bills that were stuck together and go back inside and give it to them? I need you to think about that for a second. Because see, to me, it wouldn't, I'm telling you now, and Maria can tell you this, it, it, that wouldn't be an issue. Because I know God is watching me. It ain't nothing but a test saying... All it is is a test to God to see, can I trust you? Because if I can't trust you to take that $200 back, when you're dealing with millions of dollars, you're still in. Now, some of y'all out there got to go, go home and start praying. <laughs> right now, because some of you <laughs> So help me, Jesus. Watch this. Come on, come on I got to finish I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. This is wisdom talking. This is God talking. God said he hates pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Watch how you talk about people. I'm going, I'm not even going to, I ain't got time to even touch on that. <laughs> Proverbs 29 and 23. Proverbs 29 and 23. And, I, and I'm going to let you get out of here. Proverbs 29 and 23. Pride ends in humiliation. While humility brings what? Honor. Honor. Pride. It, Listen, listen, I need y'all to take this note down. Take this note down. I didn't write it down for you, I don't think. But pride, according to the Bible, is trying to order life the way we want it. According to our specification, arranging things and other people so it is the way we want it to be. And ignoring the facts and the other people who stand in our way. Pride, according to the Bible, is trying to order life the way we want it. Guys, all of us, if we're honest about it, got, got some pride in us because all of us at some point in time want to do stuff our way, even in ministry. I tell you what I've, well, here's, here's what I've, I've had to do, and I had to do, but I, I saw wisdom in doing it, is getting people in ministry to begin to talk about how we do things differently and to also stretch me. Because I'll tell you, can I tell you about me? Can I tell you about senior? I could be just as steady and just as moving and, and, and stay in the same mode of operation, if you will, and be okay, so to speak, as long as things are going well. But here's the, here's the tragedy that most ministries make. They wait until things decline so far, then they start looking for solutions rather than always seeking God how to transform the way we do things to make sure that we are, are reaching the people who God wants us to reach and not sit back and wait for things to go bad before you try to change things. How many of y'all have heard the this, this statement, if it ain't broke, 
That's dumb. <laughs> because it may not be broke, but sooner or later, you eight track tape manufacturer who didn't change your model, you still making eight track tapes and nobody buying it. For all of y'all who don't know what an eight track tape is, go do a history lesson. All you cassette players, cassette tape players, manufacturers who said, it ain't broke, we ain't gonna fix it. In other words, there are many manufacturers who don't look to see how we do things better, how to produce new products, and they sit there and literally die out because they didn't want to change. We don't change the message, but the method has to change to reach a generation that's vastly different than the one that we grew up in. And I thank God some of these young folks around here, they pull, they pull me. I like, the, you know, sometimes I don't like it, but, but I know it's good for what ails me. To get me to think a little bit differently, to, to p- pull on the memory banks and, and, some, and some things that can help us to, to be relative as a, as, a, as a church body. So I don't apologize for that because I know that God wants to reach an entire generation and we got to make sure that we are equipped to do so. Yeah. Amen. All right, so I'm just, that's just me, okay? Pride <laughs> ends in humiliation, while humility does what? It brings honor. So when, when we try to order our life the way we want it, according to our specifications, according to, you know, arranging people and things the way we want it, and ignoring the facts and the other people who stand in our way, that's pride. Pride is what keeps us from salvation. It keeps us from the life that God wants for us. In our mind, we tell ourselves that, that if life is not the way we want it to be, if it's not the way we have ordered it, then we won't accept it. That's pride. You know, you do know that it wasn't the river that cured Naaman. Right? What cured Naaman was taking off all that pride and humbling himself. That's when he was made whole. How many of us today are imprisoned by pride? How many of us want to set something right or clean something up? How many of us have one thing in our life that's pulling us down and tearing us apart like a spiritual leprosy? And yet, because of pride, we turn away and go back to the same old life, that same old sickness. Pride will cause you not to walk in faith. Now, I got to stop, but I'll pick back up next week. But I, I need you to hear me. God loves every last one of us in here. And he wants to have close communion with us. He wants to put us in a place where our lives are reflective of his covenant relationship being the lead thing in everything that we do. Let me read this to you before I I go. This, This really blessed me. When our brothers shared this with me just, just this morning, there's a text that he got from his child. It says, happy anniversary. You two have clung to each other and your vows for 46 years. I'm sure you've seen the blessings from it, but I have too. The love and stability of your marriage gave my life security. A whole host of questions and anxieties other kids face? Ashley and I didn't. And there was Jesus, always Jesus. 
in your marriage. Always Jesus in your marriage, in our home, broadcast into the community. Always. That, that struck me. Here's to a very good thing that happened 46 years ago. Love you. That's an adult child writing that to his parents who've been married 46 years. And that blessed me because they saw Jesus. Happy anniversary. 46 years. That hit me, y'all. That hit me. Because I would, I would hope that if you interview this dude on the drums over here, if you interview, I don't know where she, she's in the back right there. If you interview the one, I don't know where Sandra is. She's, some, she's somewhere. She's, where is she at, Panama, in Somewhere in Panama. Her and a couple of friends. I would hope that you would interview them. They could tell you. And I ask them. I, I want you, I give you the freedom to ask them. Ask them what have they seen. Have they seen Jesus in our marriage? Have they seen him being Lord of how we do life? Because we're not just preaching this stuff, y'all. We're trying to live it out. Do we get it right all the time? Absolutely not. None of us do. But there ought to be a pattern or a lifestyle where people can see Jesus in you. Stepping out in faith. Every head bowed, everybody close.